Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine uh, Monday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T. A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin the Language Nerd on whatever your favorite social media platform is. So again, that is spelled A-Z or Z-R-E-N, the Language Nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I am very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. So today, I'm in France as I'm recording this podcast. I have what you might call a an extended layover or an extended stopover here before I return home to Canada. I landed here yesterday morning and I fly out tomorrow afternoon. So literally, it's like a, call it two and a quarter day, maybe two and a half day layover in France before I'm finally back in Calgary. I've got to say, it feels really strange for me to be finishing such a long spout of, of travels and finally going home. I think anyone who's ever traveled for an extended period of time definitely feels a little bit of, of, of reverse culture shock. So there's culture shock, right? Which is when you go to a country and you feel the difference of that culture in said country between where you're from. I think reverse, reverse culture shock also happens where you go back home and you've become so accustomed to the culture in the country where you are traveling to that your own culture now feels very foreign or very strange to you. So even yesterday in France, I was feeling some of that. I was walking around and I was thinking, man, I'm in France. Like everything's in French. It's not in Mandarin. Oh my goodness. And I was really, really, really missing Taiwan. I remember one thing that happened yesterday is I was I wanted to go eat some dinner, right? But when I was going to eat dinner was later than your average dinner time. It was about 8.30 p.m. on a Sunday. And I was like, oh crap, I want to go eat dinner. And I, I felt some serious reverse culture shock there. I felt it because in Taiwan, if I want to go eat dinner at 8.30 p.m., I'm going to find food to eat. Like I could go to many different places. A lot of restaurants would be open. I could go to a night market. I could go to, there's lots of places I could go 8.30 p.m. in Taipei to get some food. Worst case scenario, I could go to a 7-Eleven or a convenience store because they're open 24, 24 hours a day and I could just grab some food from there, worst case scenario. But France, that's obviously not how it is. Anyone who's been here, you know that finding food in France can be difficult if you're not, at least, well, at least in my experience, can be difficult if you're not looking for food around your kind of standard meal times. So I was thinking, I was like, oh man, I've got to like hurry up and find some food because otherwise things are going to close and it's going to be a bit of a pain, like, ah. So I was feeling it yesterday and I'm sure I'm going to feel it a heck of a lot more when I'm back in, back in Canada because obviously that is the culture I'm accustomed to. French culture is not necessarily my quote unquote home culture. So it's definitely something that's circling through my mind as I'm on my way, on my way back home. Now, I wanted to go into an interesting language learning topic today, which is around correctness 
and what feels natural to you. So many of you might know, I, I make content for a YouTube channel that is called Easy Languages. It is a relatively large YouTube channel that has various creators who make um, educational videos for various languages. So they have videos for Spanish learners and English learners, which I make videos for. They have uh, French learners and many, many different languages on, you know, under the easy languages umbrella. And I made a video about, about greetings in English. How do you say hi, hello, hey, how's it going, how are you, good morning. I made a video about various different greetings that, that we use. And I was thinking as I was reading the comments of that video that sometimes whether or not a greeting is correct is, is only half the question. Sometimes you have to think about if you feel comfortable using that particular greeting. So for instance, in English, my mother would never use the greeting, yo, like, yo, how's it going? Or my, my mom would never say, what's up? Those are very correct. Like I might say to some, some of my friends, yo, how's it going? Or hey, how's it going? Or whatever. My mom would never say, what's up? She'd never say, how's it going? She would definitely not say, hey, or yo, like those are not words my mom would ever use despite them being correct. My mom would, would, would be much more likely to say something like, hi, hello, how are you? How's your day? These are the types of things that my mother would use because that's what she feels comfortable using. That feels natural for her to use. And so sometimes when it comes to, when you're looking at language, right? you have to ask yourself what what actually feels right to you what feels comfortable for you to be using in that language when we explore this this issue a little bit deeper there are a couple of obstacles that come up one obstacle is you don't know what feels natural to you you have not had a lot of experience with native speakers you have not done a lot of listening practice you just you don't know enough about the language for you to know what feels right and what doesn't feel right. In which case, you're just going to have to blindly move forward in a sense and trust what others tell you, trust what other resources tell you, trust what textbooks tell you, trust what basically your teacher or whoever you're learning from, whatever you're learning from, trust what that resource tells you for certain grammar points, vocabulary points, etc. But as you progress with the language and as you keep learning more, keep an eye out on it to see what, what do you think kind of matches, matches you. I think the other obstacle that comes into play is sometimes what you feel comfortable doing or what, what feels right to you in said language, in your target language, is, is socially awkward for that particular language group. So you might feel comfortable saying, I don't know, what's a good example? I can't think of a very realistic example, but let's say you, for some reason, feel comfortable saying, yo, what up, dog, in English. That's what really feels comfortable deep inside for you for some reason. You have to understand that depending on your social circle, there are a lot of people, native English speakers, that if you say, yo, what up, dog, that's not, 
that's going to come across as very socially awkward. There are people who are going to think, what the heck, that's weird. That's not how you greet people. There are people, if you said that in a job interview, despite how awesome it feels for you, that job interview is not going to go well. Let me tell you right now, a lot of employers would think like, what do you mean? Yo, what up, dog? What the hell are you saying? Like, they're not going to be okay with that. So you do have to understand that your personal preferences also have quote unquote consequences, I suppose you could say, both positive, negative, or neutral. Very, very important things to think about. Another tangent that I want to go on, which is an interesting one, I don't know if this is true, but it's something I heard really recently, which ties well into this podcast. So as you know, I was in I was in Taiwan um, as of literally yesterday. Yesterday is when I left, but I've been in Taiwan for a long time. Taiwan, when they write, they use what are called simplified characters. So China uses what are called, tradi- uh, excuse me, not simplified. Taiwan uses traditional characters. China uses simplified characters. They're similar enough. They're not super duper different, but they are different in a sense. They definitely are different. China decided to simplify and use less strokes in many of their characters and write, yes, essentially use less strokes in some of their characters while Taiwan still uses a traditional system. I was talking to my classmate and my friend in Taiwan, and she was telling me that recently she had learned that using simplified characters when you're talking to people in Taiwan can sometimes be considered to be a little bit rude. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but the point of the matter is this. You know, my friend felt more comfortable using one particular means of communication. She used, she felt more comfortable using simplified characters because that is what she's learned with for the past four, you know, roughly four years. So that is kind of what she's, what her, where her comfort zone lies. But her comfort zone may have been causing, may have been potentially, I don't know, I haven't fact checked it, but may have been causing, you know, the Taiwanese people she'd be speaking with a certain level of, oh, this is the writing system she's using. She's not using the writing system we use here. And perhaps, again, I don't know, there may have been people who took a certain level of offense or perhaps felt a little bit who noticed the quote unquote faux pas, like there may have been consequences to that action. So I think it is important to think about and to be mindful of as much as possible, what are the implications of the types of things you're doing in such and such target, such and such target language. The last thing I'll say on this topic, and we can move on to something else, is sometimes, you know, it's such a complicated issue to unpack, right? Because then the question can become, well, if you are comfortable communicating in a certain way, but the, 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 the native speakers of that language have a negative view upon the, what you're doing, does that mean you have to change? Does that mean you have to change the way that you are choosing to act, the way that makes you happy or the way that makes you feel comfortable? It's, a, it's, a thing, it's an interesting conversation to have. For example, I, have a, I know uh, one person in particular who I can think of who has an accent in English, right? And chooses, well, it doesn't feel comfortable trying to adopt a more quote unquote native Canadian accent. Feels more uncomfortable because because this particular friend feels that by them losing the accent they have, they don't feel like themselves anymore. It doesn't feel like they're acting as themselves or speaking as themselves, trying to really make such a big difference in their accent. 
So the question becomes, should that person change their accent to, to come across as more natural, quote unquote, or should they not and have some people judge their level of English, potentially judge and potentially have stereotypes of where that person is from, potentially, etc., etc. It's such a complicated issue to unravel and I don't even know what the answer is. I honestly don't know. I know myself when I was in Taiwan, I noticed it. I started to use a heck of a lot more of a Taiwanese manner of speaking. Not perfect, obviously. You wouldn't think I'm Taiwanese, like no doubt about it. But I would use certain, I would try my best to move a little bit in that direction with most Taiwanese people that I spoke with. I don't know. I would, I would choose to use some of their vocabulary words instead of mainland China words. I would adopt a little bit more of their accent instead of a more mainland China accent. That's something I just started to started to do essentially, and you know, it, it that's a decision I happen to make. Now the question becomes, and I don't even know what's going to happen. Am I naturally going to switch to a more mainland China accent the next time I meet someone from mainland China? Maybe I, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting thing that plays out, um, that plays out over over time. So, whew, that's been something really that's been on my mind. I was happy to kind of get that off my chest and talk about it. I think another interesting um, language learning thing to to address is perfectionism. Perfectionism is, perfectionism is a fascinating topic to look at. You know, on one hand, trying to be quote unquote perfect or maybe correctionism, if that's a real word, let's use correctionism, right? How important is it for you to be trying to use a correct form and to speak correctly in another language. And when I mean correctly, I mean correctly in all sense of the sense of the word, correct pronunciation, correct grammar usage, correct usage of, of a vocabulary word, correct intonation, correct ev like everything. How quote unquote perfect do you sound when you're speaking? I think it's a, it's a fascinating conversation and a fascinating kind of debate overall. So on one hand, I think this whole correctionism or perfectionism or whatever word you want to use is quite detrimental. On one hand, it's very detrimental because you're so afraid to make mistakes. And because of that, it impedes your learning and suddenly you're learning a heck of a lot slower than you could be, right? That's definitely one side. Like I, for example, I cannot tell you how many times in Taiwan I said things that I tried to say one thing, but I completely messed it up and I said something completely different. Like I would say, I would say a word and I thought it meant one thing, but it was actually like a combination of two other words. And I suddenly invented some random thing that made absolutely no sense. And people would look at me like, what did you just say? There would be times like most notably the most, the funniest example I could think of, actually two funny examples was once when I accidentally, I misheard what my, what the homestay son was telling me. And I accidentally ended up telling him that his dad was dead. And it was like, he sh it shocked him. He understood that I misunderstood, but his initial reaction was like, what? My dad's dead? Like, what the heck? And I even like mimed it. I was like, yeah, <sighs> dead. Like I slid my fingers across my throat. Like it was a terrible kind of, it was not good. <laughs> Another one was when I accidentally said that Banff, a town in the mountains close to where I live, is the same as Batman. And I was saying like, yeah, yeah, Banff is Batman. Yes, this town is Batman. And I had a whole classroom full of kids that were like laughing hysterically at me. And I was like, oops, I definitely said something really silly by accident. So, 
right? And I've learned from those mistakes, right? So on one hand, like the perfectionism is definitely not a good thing because if you let if you let go of perfectionism, you'll make more mistakes, you'll learn from those mistakes, and at the end of the day, you'll learn a heck of a lot faster. However, there's another side of the coin. I am someone who's a big believer in a, in a certain sense of perfectionism, at least for me, for my particular language learning goals. For those of you who don't know, my goal is very straightforward. I want to achieve something close to a native level of fluency in eight different languages. I would like to do this in English, French, Spanish, Mandarin, Gujarati, Hindi, Russian, Arabic. Those are the eight languages that I would like to achieve a near native level fluency in all of them. And for that to happen, I have to achieve, a, I have to be kind of perfectionist. I have to be very mindful of the accent and the vocabulary and learn a lot and make sure I'm saying that I'm, I'm following the grammar rules correctly. I'm not making minor mistakes that a, a native speaker wouldn't, that a native speaker wouldn't make. Because if I make those mistakes, people will know that I'm not a native speaker. So for me, there's two sides. It's two things that are at the end of the day battling each other. And I think I think at the end of the day, what, what you have to try and do, this is my how I approach it. I try to be as perfect as I can with the knowledge that I have. I try to be as perfect as I can and do the absolute best I can. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to try and learn from them. So at all points in time, I'm doing everything. I'm trying to do the most perfect accent, the most perfect vocabulary use, like everything I possibly can, knowing that it's not going to be perfect for the first like seven years or six years or five years, four years, whatever, knowing I'm gonna make more mistakes than I say things correctly. And I'm gonna try my best to learn from those mistakes so that at the end of the day, I end up when I'm trying to be perfect, quote unquote, I land pretty damn close to perfect. Does that make sense? That's kind of my approach to this whole perfectionism versus non-perfectionism dilemma. An interesting little sub-dilemma that lies within this happens to a lot of upper intermediate or even advanced speakers of a language. What happens when you've achieved a, a stronger level in whatever language you're learning is the mistakes you make do not get corrected as often anymore. Because the mistakes you make, you made a mistake, but you still got your point across. People still understood you and people do not usually want to stop and correct you for your small mistakes if they understood what you said. So as a result, you get tricked, right? You get tricked into thinking that you are speaking in 100% correct of a way, even though you're absolutely not. You're making little mistakes left, right, and center. My French friend that I'm staying with here in France right now has made this comment as well. He corrects me on my little mistakes in French. He's probably the one person who really will correct me on tiny things and he'll let me know that, oh, that was kind of awkward. Oh, this would be better. Like he's very nitpicky. I want him to be though, because it's the one opportunity I have to have the little things corrected that no one else is gonna correct because it's so tiny and so minor. He's the same way in English. His English is phenomenal. Like it's really strong English, um, but he's the same way. He wants to be corrected on the little things and to be like, tweaked on things like that because he also knows that no one's going to correct his little mistakes that he's making so fascinating kind of debate and conversation to have as well anyway um don't really know what else to say for this podcast i think we've gone long enough i appreciate your attention you guys rock i've got a flight tomorrow so uh, you know i might be i think the my next podcast might be a, a good three four five days later because just have flights and stuff like that jet lag etc so if you don't hear from me in the next few days, that is why. But with that aside, I appreciate your attention. And again, we will talk very, very soon. Bye for now.